0: Hello. Hi.
1: Good afternoon. Well, evening, everyone. Well, night me for me. <laughs> um I can't watch the video, so I just want to ask a quick question. Is that video only about the economy of modern Italy, like unified in the 19th century, or is it like going all the way back to the Roman time? No, no, no. There's not enough time in a single video to go all the way back from Roman times to modern Italy, so it's just modern Italy. Okay. Uh, I will make a video on the economy of the Roman Empire. Um, but of course, that'll, be, that'll be sort of named specifically Roman Empire as opposed to sort of hiding it in there with Italy because of course it sort of uh, expanded beyond that, I suppose.
2: Okay, thanks. I gotta go. Uh,
1: See you, potato. Hello. Wow, so um, this is definitely the most people I've ever seen on the Discord server, but I have a feeling it's partially due to the fact that I'm up at one thirty a.m., Releasing this video, so a little bit later than ordinary. Oh yeah, and, and partially due to the fact that all of US. Europe is, uh, uh, like you know, quarantined at home, so they they have nothing better to do than, than shit talk on here.
3: Basically, yeah.
1: Uh, How is that going? Anyone that's over there? I uh, kind of hope they do uh, the same here in Australia soon. To be honest,
0: it's it's getting there. Like a few days ago, they just closed down all all our schools for like
1: two weeks.
3: At the and moment, we're going to have online of, classes. This is Poland.
1: Same, you same. You
3: have to have two weeks of a quarantine before you can go back to your country.
1: Yeah, I, I'm actually in quarantine at the moment in Australia, like self-quarantine, um, because I came, like hosted someone that was back from Korea, uh, which is fine. I get to work from home, and uh, it's pretty good, actually. To be honest, I, I wish they'd just do it more often. I think if anything good comes out of this, it will be the realization that companies. Don't need people to go into offices anymore. Well, some people do, but my <laughs> goodness, most people don't. Lol. XD My dwarves.
3: Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm legitimately planning, like, um, I don't know, like, uh, at the end of these two weeks, just to sort of say, like, you know what, you, you want me to come back? I-, I was able to do everything for from home. I- I'm just gonna take another trip or something like that again.
0: Uh.
4: Um... It's but so, it's, it's
0: so he and have, have some fun during your little
4: break. He, he, they some criticism regarding your Italy video.
1: Okay, bring it on. Yeah, you,
4: you left out the major part of the years of lead. lead is that also the fascists started protesting? It they, and there was blood in the streets. They yeah. blew up a train station train or all that kind of stuff, what? yeah. What?
1: What is this about? The years of...
4: Uh, Germany had the denazification program, Italy didn't have anything like that, so it had one of the strongest fascist movements in all of Europe. And uh, the communists and the fascists came to clashes during that time. Uh, the communists uh, threw Molotov cocktails at fascist gatherings, killed their children, assassinated CEOs, and the fascists blew up uh, uh, police stations train stations and uh, also did assassination attempts
0: yeah it was Do uh, you realize there's a big
2: difference sir there's a big difference between fascism and Nazism
4: yeah it's an offshoot uh,
0: it's the opposite uh, Nazism an offshoot fascism or, yes,
2: <laughs> not in the middle of fashion.
0: Well, it's a more far-right version of fashion, which is economically uncertain.
1: Just a heads up, uh, see everybody, Afghan is uh, incredibly wasted. So, the <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 what do you think yeah, yeah. of this uh, new oil boom? Uh, new oil boom has the price shot back up again, has it?
4: No. It's
0: still stores, I think. Oh, it's what? not really an oil boom; it's an oil war. It's a price war.
1: Oh right, okay. When you said Base. boom, I was like, what? What? What boom? That's it's the exact opposite of the b- a boom. Uh, it's it's a... I mean, the uh, oil price moving <laughs> back up. My bad. Ah, uh, great! Than the great,
0: time
2: ramp-
1: advice, <laughs> <laughs> great time to buy Saudi Ramco. great! time to buy Thanks. Saudi Ramco. Bye, Saudi Ramco. We're fighting for a good price, it seems. Yeah, too bad, I. Yeah. I think it's uh, one of those things, It's I, I don't know if it was by plan or um, by by coincidence, but yep. they timed it, they could not have timed their uh, sort of little trade oil wall better, um, you know, with, with all the factories and, and industries and airlines and stuff shutting down, so demand fell uh, along with the uh, sort of mm. supply, so, uh, it, it's, uh, so. As, as supply shot up, so man, perfect storm for price drops, eh? Yeah, perfect time uh, to stockpile. Uh, <sighs>
4: yeah. He, he, i think he, he also forgot how important the regional differences are in italy between the north and the south uh
1: i mentioned how yeah. they hate each other he mentioned that in the video he, remember uh, said... i meant
4: uh, he didn't talk about the mafia that's crippling the south
1: hey
4: uh, <laughs> you
0: said <laughs> <really> that <laughs> you didn't that. think <laughs> the coronavirus would have, down have down a large direct impact
4: unless um mm. large companies or trades started shutting down so,
1: yeah, about that. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Uh, have
4: Have you seen a map of Italy in the south? Have you ever noticed that there is no connection between Sicily and the mainland? Yeah, yeah, like...
2: That's
4: That's because of our good friends in the Mafia.
1: <laughs> There's no okay. They're only great
4: friends in Mafia.
3: Economics of cartels and organized crime syndicates. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, yes, actually, I do plan I do plan on doing that, actually, because I think it would be really interesting. It would probably be one that's very, very hard to find any kind of data Based. on. But The uh, economy
0: of the black market.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah here's some interesting
4: tips. 75% of uh, marijuana in the Europe is in the possession of the Italian
1: Mafia. Man, those are some, the uh, best... those are some happy, happy Mafia people.
0: You have no idea. You wouldn't even
4: want yeah, to know. Yeah, it, uh, you can thank that to the Spanish. They basically looted the south of Italy when it came under the Spanish crown. It, it was the most neglected part of Italy.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, so we have, so we have sort of some genuine questions. Uh, Isaac asked, "Do you think countries and/or markets are overreacting to the coronavirus because, like, only six thousand people have died, and oh, the 0% of people uh, six is like zero point zero two percent?" okay so shameless time to plug uh, I actually have shared my thoughts updated on the like the economic impacts of the coronavirus um, as a patreon exclusive video uh-huh, ha ching uh, but uh, the four one one and I'll, I'll let you guys know is is basically look short term I don't think it is I think realistically um, I think the the major sort of scare factor of this is it can overwhelm hospital beds uh, you know there's only so many hospital beds and and realistically a you know people, some people need intensive care to survive uh, without it they'll die. The other thing with that is it also means that if someone breaks their arm or gets in a car crash or stuff like that intensive care units can't facilitate both them and the ins- you know, the influx of, of all of these patients. Uh, so the big sort of message of this week is all about flattening the, the infection curve. Um, they've sort of given up on, on containing it and getting it to disappear altogether but for now it's sort of making it sort of flatten out over a long period of time. So I think uh, the ideas of self-isolation, working from home, distancing yourself as much as possible from people is, uh, is pretty responsible, you know, to be honest, it's, yeah. it's pretty smart. You know? If you can do it, why not? Um, so I think in that it sense, it's probably, <coughs> probably, probably not our overreaction. Now, long-term what it means for the economy, and this is my heartless theory, I see two possible sort of situations that come from this like scenario one is that you know maybe we create a vaccine relatively quickly it it sort of stops it around infecting let's say a million people you know maybe there's you know sort of 10 20 30 thousand people that die which is obviously uh, tragic uh, uh, yeah. but it doesn't exceed like an annual flu um death toll right now um you know that still very well may happen and, and fingers crossed that is kind of the, the you know the outcome now in that kind of scenario people will forget about it people will move on and you know, it'll be sort of old news. It'll be like, oh, remember 2020? How you know how we all thought we were going to die of the next bubonic plague? Um, it'll be a triviality. Markets will bounce back, and the economy will kind of keep chugging along as it always has. Now that's option yeah, one. That's, that's really kind of that's kind of the 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 you know we all live happily ever after kind of scenario. Uh, and option two is let's say it is the next Spanish flu. Okay. Um, let's say it is something that infects us all. You know, it, it reaches a good portion of the the world population. Um, you know, let's say that it mutates and the and the death rate spikes, and um, you know, it, it gets to a, a good majority of people. Hospitals are overwhelmed. You know, the kind of doomsday scenario that we're all actively trying to avoid at the moment. Well, in that case, it's going to do two things. For starters, um, it actually disproportionately impacts old people. Normally, people beyond the age of sixty five. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who are no longer working, who are, in a sense, and this sounds yeah. really, really heartless and are like a an awful thing to say, oh, burden what burdens what on society. It's not heartless.
4: Hey, hey, hey! It's... I'm going to say even something more heartless joke. And oh, this no. Italy both needs pension reform? Yeah, yep. the issue...
1: yeah. The, I mean, although, I...
0: like I heard with older people, what's happening? Like in China, a disproportionate amount of um, men over sixty smoke. So if you look at the death rates, men die a lot more than women. So isn't it kind of like more pre-existing conditions than age? Uh,
1: yeah. I think I think it's age is a very very strong determinant. It's always so some like you know pre-existing conditions. If you're an unhealthy person, I think it's gonna hit you. But yeah. old people tends to be like the the, the go-to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah and the, that's, the that's
0: stats like... of men versus women is
2: crazy for China. What uh, so, so, scares me the most is that this flu. Let's say is gonna turn into another disease which rampages the population, just like influenza or
1: How much have you had to drink? <laughs> My he, he, god. He's <laughs> had a lot. He's had a lot. Not, not. He has. He
3: has a lot of vodka.
1: Okay, well, uh, I think I didn't understand a word of that. But yeah, I think, look, realistically, of course, that sounds like a terrible thing to say. But yeah, look, in that kind of scenario where it does do that, um, not only will it sort of alleviate the burden of elderly people in a society, but the other thing is, it will also lead to a, a huge kind of wealth transition as people pass down their inheritances to their, you know, heirs who then sort of receive this big pile of money that they can go out and spend on a new car, or a new house, or a new boat or whatever it is that they buy. Uh, and that's sort of a huge fiscal stimulus to the economy. It's no longer sort of pent up in these big uh, estates. So yeah, um, it could be, it could be good. Now uh, that's, that's the most uh, awful awesome thing uh, I've ever said, uh, but- uh, you know, to, uh, buy wait, Will we have another baby boom because of this? Like if you like out, I like, I could see it happening since like uh, probably not a baby boom, more like a no. grandpa non existy thing. Grandpa literal boom.
2: Don't you think that in the end we actually lose money because instead of uh, I- using our resources into building something new, like investing in science, we have to invest in uh, healing the people who got infected with the coronavirus instead?
1: yeah so it's actually a really good question now this my sort of speculation was long term are we
2: spending money already like there is a limited amount of resources and we have to uh, reallocate them into treating people with coronavirus and into investing in making uh, medicine that will combat Uh, coronavirus instead of developing new science uh, related stuff like no new computers or anything else or combating I mean, already existing uh diseases like cancer that are killing way more people than coronavirus
1: right now
4: so right. it's it's still economic activity yeah it is, ah, yes, it,
1: is. it is but this is a common fallacy it's actually a well-known study called the fallacy of a broken window uh, and the story is yes, yes, I, I actually
2: was referring to that
1: Yeah, right. Okay. So yeah, in a sense it could, well, look, in this instance, no, it's not going to lead to economic prosperity because we're going to have a supply shock. A lot of factories are closing down. Businesses are closing down. uh, You know, people are staying in their homes and while demand may be relatively constant as people sort of uh, supplement their normal spending habits with, you know, massively stocking up on canned food and toilet paper, we're still going to see businesses reduce (coughs) supply and supply shocks can often be worse than demand shocks. So is it going to lead to economic prosperity? Uh, No, it's not like a, let's say like a war or a natural disaster or something. It's more of that thing where we kind of just all kind of hunker down and almost hibernate, like or literally kind of hibernate, I suppose. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I think in that sense that diverted funding, sure, um, but that's sort of very similar. So I think it will have the worst of both of those worlds. Good question, not kind of going to be one of those things where we see that kind of spike in in gdp figures because of you know no, no. yeah because it's just a different type of tragedy i suppose um but uh yeah it's a really interesting sort of case study nonetheless
4: hey, hey, on the plus side cheaper housing with all those people dying and having to sell the house
1: no, Lord, so we have
2: to look at uh, Dude, basic no. needs right now, like toilet paper and food, because I believe uh, it will go up in price since uh, people are trying to buy as much of it right now. And Dude, I yeah, believe that it won't really give us any kind of benefits because of the panic that people create. It, I believe it actually damages the economy.
1: Uh, it does, yeah, yeah. There's there's no doubt um, that no matter which way you look at it, that it it's not even going to be sort of some kind of hidden hidden negative. It, it's just going to be a straight-up negative, uh, unfortunately, for this this type of virus. It's not it's like a, a war where you kind of get this false reading of, of positive GDP growth. Um, it, it's just going to be negative across the board. But uh, but yeah, make um, toilet paper the new gold standard. So I kind of want to... Uh, I know everyone has lots of questions about coronavirus and my thoughts on it but uh, look I mean again my thoughts are uh, no very really, really you know they don't carry any more authority than than anyone else that's speculated about it and it is purely speculation at this point so before we kind of get in there and I'm happy to go down yeah, the rabbit hole with a, you guys uh, question. yes please
0: uh, what are your thoughts on banning coal production uh, slash uh, creating special economic zones in much more uh, or have it harder to do business like in Italy, like especially like they did in China
1: Right, so, hang on, are they two related questions? Like, there's only a, net, only a zone No, it's week. Like
0: a double question. Okay, uh, okay. Banning coal and uh, creating special economic zones. So hard for you to do business with other countries
1: Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm definitely a big supporter of, like, you know, renewable energies. I'm a, I'm a bit of a hippie, you know, like, drive a Tesla, all that kind of stuff. But um, I think uh, a big sort of takeaway is uh, it's kind of like a two kind of question that I'll answer in two different ways and just give you something to think about. Um, now coal production is a very very easy very cheap way to, to make a lot of energy um, which is good for a lot of economies and, and, and it's sometimes very difficult to transition over to things like renewable energies right. Uh, it takes a lot of infrastructure it's a lot of spending and you've got to build grids to handle it because it, it's not something that's like a consistent burst of power it's it's very up and down. Uh, we had problems with that in Adelaide one of our cities here in Australia um they sort of were starting to to slowly move over to uh renewables and they had huge power outages and things like that it was it was quite bad for their their economy if not their way of life anyway um but they sort of alleviated that they they built a uh, tesla power bank thing out there it was it was quite cool uh and they're doing really well from it but it is a big investment and that's something that is you know one of those things that's kind of uh, it's it's not sort of responsible to say yep tomorrow we're going to ban it. It's one of those things where you kind of got to price it out. Now I think it's uh, slowly pricing itself out as the technology gets better. It just becomes easier and cheaper <coughs> to invest into these renewables that will um, just well. you know be more cost competitive than coal. Uh, and as soon as the technology comes to alleviate the inherent issues with you know solar panels not working while the sun's not shining and windmills not working while the uh, wind's not blowing, it'll be it'll be fantastic. There is one thing I did want to sort of say, and it was really really interesting sort of argument that I was having with one of my faculty members um, for some of the, some of the teaching work that I did back at uh, back in my school um, is this a lot of uh, economic prosperity. so the rapid industrial booms that we sort of see in countries like you know uh, England during the industrial Revolution, Japan during its reconstruction, China in the modern day is ultimately fueled by easy, very consumable fossil fuels, because they're a nice, very transportable, very dense form of energy uh, that can be used to power factories, can be used to make steel, can be used to power like you know cities. Um, now, the world is kind of shifting to a sense where we're going, okay, well, look, you know we've achieved our economic prosperity. But uh, we're going to kick that ladder out from under everyone else by doing these things like banning coal and all of that kind of stuff because we've decided now that it's kind of a, a nasty thing that pollutes and makes a lot of sort of negative side effects. Now, it's, that's not a lie. Um, there are a lot of problems with coal. Uh, it's a terrible fossil fuel source. It, 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 the, the, the emissions are, are disastrous. Um, but it's kind of unfair to say to a country like, hey, you know, um, Kenya, you can't use coal anymore because it's bad and it pollutes the environment. Sorry if it means that you can't achieve the same level of economic prosperity as us, but, you know, we've each got to do our part, right? Um, You know, and that's sort of one thing where it's like, well, does that sort of really sound fair? A similar kind of uh, parallel was drawn with, uh, curiously enough, uh, Amazon and the minimum wage. So a lot of people sort of said that Amazon was doing this fantastic thing when um, it introduced the $15 minimum wage in America for its factory workers. It had a lot of issues with things like workers' rights and, um, you know, it was kind of one of those companies that, you know, sort of got a bit of flack for for doing that. And it probably got a lot of of good PR for introducing that $15 minimum wage. Um, I don't know if it still has the same kind of controversy for uh, workers' rights in its its, its fulfillment centers, but it's kind of, I don't know, if anything been swept under the rug. I, I haven't sort of seen it being brought up as much. But one thing, and you sort of thought this was some kind of altruistic, you know, it was all done for the PR kind of move. Uh, and a little bit of it was. But a really interesting theory was that, well, Amazon's already achieved profitability after a sort of, you know, a decade of, of building itself up. It's investing a lot into automation. It's eventually going to phase out these workers. It's already achieved success. Maybe what they want to do is build up. Get really successful and then sort of say okay hang on uh, we are now going to introduce a $15 minimum wage and what that means is if any competitors want to start from the ground up and try and compete with us realistically to get to where Amazon is today it kind of needed to exploit those workers for a little bit well they can't do it and we don't really mind that $15 minimum wage anymore because well we've got robots to do most of our work these days, so it doesn't really hurt us as much as it's going to hurt some potential upstart that could compete with us into the future. Now, is that actually the case? I don't know, but it certainly was an interesting sort of side thought. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Uh, you mm-hmm. sound very similar to uh, George Freeman in the next decade, mm-hmm. the next hundred years. Most the of the points is actually from his book.
2: I actually have a question again related
0: but to... But can you uh, answer the uh, second part of the question about... the. Uh, oh, yeah, special... yeah.
1: Ah, oh, so yeah, uh, special economic zones. Um, what about them?
0: Because you said that you mentioned that uh, in Italy it was like the fifty second uh, hardest place to do business in the world. And you yes. see that uh, many countries which have very, very easy uh, to do business like uh, New Zealand, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, are actually not only in like insanely happy but have like some sort of strong correlation between those too. Would you uh, think that a special economic zone were the easy to do to do business? similar to those countries, like in the, uh, which were like bastions of the first world, would it benefit Italy?
1: Yeah, so um, the thing with Italy is it's not necessarily a political bureaucracy exclusively that's causing it to be hard to do business with. It's a factor of a few things. Uh, for starters, and for a, a first world nation, it actually doesn't have a lot of English-speaking people. So it's all relative, but you know, it has about 29% English-speaking population, which is um, for a developed, especially European country, quite low. And Now, it sounds snobby for me, an Australian that only speaks English to sort of say, oh, how dare you not speak it. But but English is the language of the international business community. It's it's relatively hard to escape, and that hurts it a little bit. Uh, for reference, a country like France has, you know, a 39% English-speaking population. Germany, it's close to 60%, uh, and that sort of definitely helps them there. The other thing is it, it's a lot of these very, very sort of Uh, very bureaucratic large companies that are incapable of negotiating they have a very much a a policy of you know it's who you know not what you know so it's difficult to get things like funding unless you're sort of a family member of a family member a friend of a friend and you know look i don't want to draw the uh the comparison but you know the very sort of uh you know in a sort of broad sense, you know, the the mafios so, are, oh, you know, talk to talk to my son, he's a good boy. And, and that's how business kind of gets done. Uh, and that is sort of like the aggregate result of that is that it's actually quite a difficult place to do business with. Now the government's not fantastic, um, you know, it certainly could be better, but it's not the major hindrance there. So I don't think anything like a special economic zone would, uh, would really help them there in a sense. Um, but it is an interesting sort of side thought. Um, but but no look i mean the government as much as possible tries to facilitate business um, it's just that you know business is it's very uh, it's very passionate i suppose in italy it's it's not as quite as formulaic as like let's say german business <clears throat>
0: Would you, what how about uh, the israeli policy like of uh, yozma where they, they literally pay for businesses to come over they literally give them like a portion of land and they give them tons of money to do research and development, and then like five ten years down the line, all the businesses that they paid for to come over, like Google, Microsoft, AMD, started paying dividends ton, uh, tons of dividends back from the economy because they had to like hire a pile of p- local people, and all the money that they spent, uh, to to a lot of the risk, uh, managed to save Israel so much money and create actually, practically, create the entire new Israel economy because in Israel. Uh, like a third of the people there don't work because like they're extreme, they're extreme Jew, uh, Jews, which is actually going to like hinder Israel, uh, really terribly long term. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I think Israel is one of those con- economies and, and countries that's a li- very, very unique in the sense that it's hard to draw parallels between what their economic policies are and uh, and what the policies of you know, let's say a, a more kind of generic nation like Italy are. Uh, it's really interesting in a sense and i am going to explore it in the sort of not too distant future the economy of israel um, but i don't know if it's necessarily a, a, a super direct comparison i see where you're getting at but i think potentially what might be a sort of more direct is that of sweden now they don't directly sort of court uh, international business but they do really strongly support um, the growth of domestic small business you know, I, I did talk about it in the, the video on Sweden, but they'll do things like, you know, um, pay you a, a living allowance while you're trying to get a business off the ground and, you know, give you grants and things like that and help with uh, research and development. I think potentially that could be something that helps uh, stimulate, you know, young research and development companies, you know, young sort of entrepreneurship in, in Italy. Um, but yeah, there's still that sort of. Um, you know, underlying sort of societal thing and that's not to say it's bad it's just to say that it's not particularly conducive to, to western style business
0: well, one last thing, i was just going to recommend you read the uh, next 100 years the next decade by uh, george freeman i think you would really enjoy that book
1: i did know that book and i have been meaning to read it i'm a terrible book reader uh i'll read articles i'll read like journal articles or news articles i'll read reddit uh, uh, an unbelievable amount but I, I, just when it comes down to sitting with a, an actual book, man, I don't know what it is. Uh, just uh, I don't know. Let's say, uh, traumatic experiences from like year two library. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have, I, I do actually have it sort of legitimately. Like, you got to go and do this. Maybe it's the commitment. Too many pages. It's like, oh man, have this is, ever there's more, more than hundred pages. <laughs> have you ever read Hayek before? ever read
2: before? Yes. Anybody from?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I have. Yeah, we, I actually, to be honest, I did not undergraduate. undergraduate. I think we did a, a like a an analysis oh. of of Hayek's papers, um, but for the life of me, I couldn't sort of. What do you actually think remarkable.
2: about the? What do do you actually think about the Austrian School of Economics? If you know something about it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know you oh, know Keynesian. Oh boy! Oh, oh boy! <laughs> I really wanted to ask that question. Let me I let me tell you about SP. this
1: this Austrian school here. You know,
2: yes, oh, yes. Austrian
1: preschool. Mo- no, I'm joking. Um, look, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know it's a very difficult question.
1: Uh, look, I think I there's it. there's there's a lot of credence that has to be given to to different schools of economic thought, and I think you know ultimately the takeaway is is look, you know, I'll, I'll joke about being a Keynesian shill and and things like that, but um, what I really really hate. And personally, my pet peeve, especially amongst you know educated faculty members and in you know tenured positions with with major schools, is that they do align themselves really heavily with with a particular school of economic thought. Um, so you know, for well, look, obviously I've got Keynesian shill up there on my Discord banner, but um, you know there will be people that are you know Austrian school the entire way. You know there'll be people that are hardcore. You know. Uh, Keynesians and you know classical Keynesians and then, modern yeah, Keynesians
0: Marxists.
1: yeah and then they, they Look, unfortunately I'm they, they the teach
0: the social in my school are Marx.
1: yeah they, they teach and they develop curricula around their their ideals and they almost have the same kind of affinity with a, a school of economic thought as they do with like say a political party or a sports team it's like if your ideals are right then that means mine must be wrong. Um, and they don't sort of look at, you know, cases where potentially there are things to be learnt from sort of exploring the other ideals of, you know, different schools of economic thought. And I think understanding them all, um, you know, as they relate to different kind of scenarios is, is probably um, much more productive than sort of saying, yep, no, this is, this is the right way um and and look i mean i will do a video on austrian economics i mean i do not know enough about it to talk with any kind of authority uh, without making myself look silly because you know i'm kind of a victim of that sort of um you know that sort of school banner waving um the the universities that i study at here in australia sydney university and the university of western sydney are incredibly uh incredibly keynesian like they they basically teach keynesian economics and anything else is kind of seen as some minor triviality. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, uh, it's almost akin to geocentrism. It's like, oh, yeah, there's this other idea, but it's so silly. No
0: Friedman.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna say that uh, Road to serfdom is like right next
1: to me.
0: <laughs> is there uh, any uh, uh, more uh, Friedman thought in Australia?
1: No, not really. It's, it's, it's basically Keynesian economics, the entire way through um like uh, from year 12 which is where uh, year 11 year 12 which is like the f- two final years of high school um you know through undergraduate masters and and well obviously postgraduate sort of self uh self-aligned you can do what you want there wait, wait, uh, wait. so they, uh i uh, would talk about monetary policy what is where what they teach you uh monetary policy is uh, almost exclusively looking- to control inflation that's it Oh, would you i, I mean, mean it's all mean friedman it's all stuff liberal, so right, no, like no, like okay, yeah right. it's your i mean like i don't see them not like teaching anything okay. from friedman <laughs> i find that hard to believe so <laughs> yeah i don't know
4: uh, He here's a spicy take on friedman friedman was wrong and china proves that
1: okay discuss <laughs>
4: Uh, one of the Friedman's idea was that uh, high economic freedom would also bring high personal freedom. Uh, let's say we know that uh, many of the Chicago boys helped with Pinochet's dictatorship, and then uh, Pinochet retired. After the economic freedom came the personal freedom. But uh, China also had under Deng the economic liberalization and uh those personal freedoms never came it even became more authoritarian even though it's economically very liberal in its uh policy and everything oh okay so well, we had
1: we had, a, had a, a, a
0: with a grain of salt oh, okay. uh, uh, to to my guy uh well, china is actually uh, more li- more liberal than uh, ever right now like been, you can they have like a sort of like social policy or social contract which revolves around something called the gaokao it essentially says that any person in china who studies uh, enough can become any place in, in a, uh, can become as uh, successful as they want. Uh, like what what Freedom was mostly talked about was uh, economic freedom. If any person in China studies for that Gaokao like insanely hard, and if they do well in that Gaokao, they can get a job anywhere in China. They can become the uh, next prime uh, president of China if they do well enough in the Gaokao. Like it's all of, uh, they they essentially uh, socialize their through, through economy probably far more than any country on earth, and they base it all down around one exam. Like, as much as people hate that, as, and the exam does not uh, judge you for creativity at all, uh, the most intelligent Chinese or are, are uh, have the most uh, financial liberty than, than ever before. Like before, under Mao Zedong, if you were a smart Chinese, they would just cut off your head. But nowadays, if you're a smart Chinese person, you can go work for whatever company you want, Tencent, Google, you can leave the company. You're practically like a first class of the that's, I mean- that's the sort of like yeah, yeah, standard to the and millions of
4: people in concentration some of camps.
2: Inequality where educated people uh, are some sort of first uh, well, uh, so, are so. B- considered to be better citizens than the rest and s- the rest is kind of discriminated doesn't that kind of
0: defeats yeah, of
2: well, our liberal values <laughs> well, it's,
0: it's <laughs> you guys all you, all you guys are forgetting one that's thing one thing right now freedom that... and of opportunity not freedom of quality of outcome that's here what, here's one thing freedom we freedom need we wanted, to... it, it you read a, if you read freeman a lot that's what you want you want free you want freedom to... He said that the economic, uh, economic growth correlates to freedom of opportunity for everyone else. That was his that was point. And that's what.
4: China oh, said. okay, okay. Tell me how much freedom of we'll opportunity do the millions of Uyghurs in the concentration camps have? I, I don't really know that explanation.
1: Uh, all right, all right. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, Completely maybe, irrelevant uh, to economics. And, and yes, 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 China is, is probably a pretty ruthless dictatorship. But.
0: China's collapsed three times in the last.
1: I mean, years. my question is there's, there's who gets to decide? Chinese and Use super mute yeah yeah okay uh, we actually have a better question than than talking about china because we didn't explore china uh and actually yeah we'll, we'll put this to the to the the guys that want to talk about friedman um they well look uh Kumar on the youtube live stream asked uh what are your thoughts about quantitative easing uh especially after 2008 again not related to italy but far better than the current course of the discussion
0: Oh, what do you actually think about the gold standard <laughs> which was a big see, well, uh, like that, that's something steve bannon mentions a lot in speeches like if you watch a three minute steve bannon speech he mentions the economic rise of china the uh 2008 liquidity crisis under barack obama where he flooded the entire zone with like four billion dollar four trillion dollars with equal uh liquidity and he mentions the uh, constant wars Afghanistan, and that's what's bringing the rise of populism all around the world, not just the U.S. Like the U.S. is the testing ground, but he, that sort of populist ideology being exported to the entire world, and you very, very soon we're going to see like a huge populist movement that's going to like start to uh, hinder this new neoliberal uh, sort of ideology ideology that's pervasive uh, throughout. What are we talking about now? I'm
1: lost. Yeah. Okay. I have, I have yeah, no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Good uh, questions. D- d-
0: back up. We're backing up.
1: We are rolling, <laughs> rolling back the <laughs> conversation. We're rolling back the conversation. Yes. Right. Any, yeah, yeah, any Italy-related related questions? Uh, we, we're cutting off China as, as uh, not, not acceptable for a topic of discussion. There was a, there was a China video. You had your chance.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm. I'm I I think he was referring like how the U.S. flooded the zone with liquidity. Like how, like during the 2008 financial crisis, Barack Obama literally, like started with 800 million dollars, 800 billion dollars of liquidity. By the end of his presidency, it was at like five trillion dollars of liquidity in the market. Like I mean, every country on earth is now just flooding the zone with liquidity to try to keep the share prices values up. And they're doing especially now. Like Trump did another 1.5 trillion.
1: Okay. Okay. He he was talking a lot of numbers. That oh, what the hell? How how did he unmute himself? All right. Um. Okay. 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 We need to talk about Italy <laughs> because the YouTube live stream is getting angry, and I think um again, yeah, oftentimes these these oh, topics this, do we, get.
0: This is how it correlates how, how to many Italy, yeah. Steve Bannon is the guy who actually set up this. Who constantly talks about the liquidity? He's actually.
1: What the <laughs> hell? How did okay, he unmute I'm himself?
0: Sure
2: people listening. All right. Okay. Magic happens. Uh, okay so what do you actually think about the inequality of the italian economy because the north is uh, definitely way more richer uh, than the south and do you think is there an actual way they can somehow help it like the germans do with the west and east uh, germany
1: uh well it all comes down to sort of industry right and i think without sort of directly doing things like like farm subsidies and stuff like that uh it's one of those things where there's always going to be a divide between agricultural regions and uh, like industrial regions or even sort of regions for financial sort of services and stuff like that. Um, And look, I mean, the only thing that makes it particularly poignant in Italy is that it's almost like this clear gradient of like, you start at the south, it's really poor, and you go up (laughs) north, and the further up north you go, the richer it gets. Now, a lot of that, of course, is due to the fact that there are you know, cities and, and all that kind of nice stuff there. And, um, you know, Milan, like big financial centers and stuff like that are up north. And, and of course, you know, for starters, it's geographically closer to their major trading partners, France, Germany, you know, Austria, Switzerland, th- things like that. So I think that's potentially what kind of gives them a boost. Um, but ultimately, I don't know, if we if would we look at um, something to help, bridge that divide you know the south of Italy it's quite a beautiful place you know Um, potentially they could invest a little bit more into their tourism industry Uh, but again you know the major draw cards are you know those cities outside of Rome really all up north Uh, I don't know I don't know what the solution would be I mean um, good thing I'm not an Italian uh, politician because I'd be stumped on that one does anyone else have any wild ideas it's been a pretty sort of vibrant discussion thus far Help help Italy solve all their problems.
2: What and do you I mean about like thing a special economy? Increase <laughs> pasta yeah. exports.
1: One at a
0: time, guys. Uh, <laughs> I th- what do about create like a special zone in the south of Italy? Zero regulations or very 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 few regulations to try like boost like try to create like a Shenzhen in the south of Italy where they where, like they have like huge trading hubs, but that, then uh, they can like facilitate trade in the south of Italy.
2: Like that might sound unequal, but what if we just uh, lower the taxes for south of Italy and uh, give them more subsidies in order to help uh, grow their local economy? Do you think that would help uh, anyhow?
1: Mm, do you think that people would potentially just sort of register their addresses in the south of Italy and avoid the taxes and still work in Milan?
0: Well, you have to make it a base with land. Like you have to be, you have to have like businesses with certain amount of people. Like in the land for for you to qualify for the tax, like especially in. I mean, when we look at Germany,
2: uh, it kind of works for them. Like they they do uh, help uh, the poorer part of Germany, which is uh, East Germany, to pay slightly more taxes and uh, give them a bit more subsidies in order to help bring down the economy right. down. It, it does really kind comment. of work. I know it's imperfect and it's far from great, but I think it does help somehow.
4: I wouldn't really compare Germany to Italy because uh, Germany has a federal system. Uh, it uh, its many states have way uh, more control over their own economic policy and everything, uh, since uh, Germany is a decentralized nation, while Italy is isn't. It has ma- more. Uh, centralized uh, command over the economy. Now, let's say Germany. It's it's different states, different taxes, and different school policies, even.
0: Yeah, not only that, they also have like a completely different uh, education system. Like, Germany called it as one of the most revolutionary education in the entire world, called the uh, Mittelstand. And what the German uh, people do is, uh, the Chinese and everywhere else, is they literally like the start of high school. You start if like you're. Uh, not like the brightest student, you can start working with like a bakery, you can start working with the plumber. They sort of like implement trading school with, with the high school experience.
3: That's After like, 10th grade you decide day. if you want trade school or not, but up until then oh. it's the
0: same education system. I mean, I can I say, it's say that... It's it's ...the, the, the backbone, the, back the German economy, it's what the, one of the things that makes it so great. Well, but one thing
4: is
3: that uh,
2: myself,
0: I... But university students are taking away the jobs of these people. This model is not
3: working and there's too much of these.
2: No, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Myself, I uh, live in Poland and I can say that uh, our government have definitely borrowed a lot of things from the uh, German school system, like the trade schools. Yes, but
3: I have done the German school system here in Germany.
2: And applied it to... And while applying it to Poland, it actually did work and it does help a lot of people to get uh, jobs they actually enjoy because a lot of people do just want to go to those trade schools in order to be me- mechanics or uh, overall builders because it's fairly well-paid job right now and, yeah, and i think uh, if we honestly, try yeah, to yeah, trade
0: schools in germany allow kids like they, they don't red pill kids into like all going to university to take out degrees no, that's... that doesn't happen yeah, I mean, here you know either
2: that's actually good and what if we try to uh, take the system and modify it in order to for example apply it to italy to better uh,
0: understand them and their needs do you think that i think could Italy would help? probably should, uh, come up a lot closer to my country of quebec where they essentially we had a huge unemployment problem in the 1960s and 70s and what the government did was they tried to adopt like the german middleton system but they ruined it because they like they essentially forced every kid after high school to go to like a college for three years or two years and to create people who who are going to be go to university anyway just found it boring as hell and people were going to go to trade school anyway they got a use, they got essentially a useless degree
2: i mean yeah we we need everybody we need bakers we need mechanics uh, as well as we need uh, physicists and uh, computer scientists but like yeah, uh, we need that balance between uh, education levels
0: I would also so, do you think you'd like to, to okay, let... education and uh, e- economics. Like, uh, you can oh, yeah, that would be a good around idea around the world, like Middle in Germany, for example, the uh, obsession with Gaokao in China, the obsession with the SAT scores and GRE scores in the US. Maybe you can even mention my state passingly with the uh, CJET system in uh, Quebec, Canada. Yeah, we could tell something
2: about how a lot of uh, European countries. Do start looking at the,
4: the German system and uh, the, try to apply it. There is one growing problem with the German system that it doesn't uh, adequately address shortages of certain workers. Like in IT, they still have this old style of letting many people in and just letting attrition take a uh, course of it. Uh, you have mm-hmm. 150 people start in a year and then you end up with 20 people finishing the school and that's not a good model to have if you have an it shortage in germany
2: okay but this is uh, like the price to pay for freedom of choice people are free to choose their own uh, field of study and they're free to just drop it after some time after when they find yeah, out right. it's
0: like... it huge supply and demand like the, if you're an it worker in germany you get paid far more than an it worker all around the world Honestly,
4: no, that's not what the system should do. It's a, a system should allocate those workers. You
2: already, to learn
3: anything.
4: But you should make the curriculum uh, more bearable to people.
3: Okay, let me tell you what happens in um, sixth grade in Germany. Because teachers actually sit down with students, calculate their grades, they see how well they did, and they're trying to say them to tell them, "Hey." you should go to six years of education and then do a university degree because it looks good or they tell them well you ain't getting the simple triangles might as well do four more years of general school and then adapt a trade school
0: and that's, that's a like... classical
3: uh you know yes but the problem is that the people who finish the university degrees um end up pushing away those from trade schools so it isn't working for uh, like the trade schools anymore and this is a big problem because what does it like help you if in sixth grade you've been told you're dumb dumb and then it's over well that's not actually true you can change from the uh, trade school to the uh, gymnasium you You can, can transfer if you're you if can discard the advice even, talent. go to high school, and then you're in a probation period for two semesters, and you have to learn the triangles as well but as... Basically, the, the it's, it's called Hauptschule, and basically it's uh, abolished everywhere. So, you, you normally have a secondary, uh, sec, uh, secondary school and the gymnasium, and it's comparable to it uh, the two systems, and you can go to university after each one. So it's your point isn't worth it. Yes, if you do a trade school and want to go to university you are actually advantaged and encouraged to do so because, for example, some people do the advanced school, but end up doing middle life after 10th grade, and then they want to go to university and those are then via quota systems, uh, encouraged to come and to higher education. It's actually a good idea.
1: Anyway, um, so look, uh, this all got very, very hijacked by the fact that for some reason everyone was obsessed with talking about education in China and Germany, uh, even though we were discussing Italy. But that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that. I have to go, go to bed happened. now because I uploaded the video super late. And it's two o'clock here where I am, and even though I'm working from home, sleep. I still am, uh, working. So thank you guys for the Q and A session. Uh, thanks, guys, over on the live stream. Continue the discussion here feel free to talk amongst yourselves because I've just been falling asleep talking to you guys anyway, so uh, I've really been (laughs) anything actively anyway. So uh, have a good one, guys. Talk to you soon. Sleep out.